from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast Ratings agency Moody's recently kept its credit rating of India constant and said it believes India's economy would remain stable The agency also said that it expects India's economic growth to outpace all other G20 economies through at least the next 2 years and this growth would be driven by domestic demand. However, the ratings agency had a word of caution as well for investors. Moody said that the curtailment of civil society and political dissent compounded by rising sectarian tensions support a weaker assessment of political risk and the quality of institutions. This assessment came just around a week after a group of around 20 academics linked to IIM Bangalore shot off a letter to India's corporate world. Some of the signatories to the letter were retired, others are still teachers at the institute. The faculty members were clear that they had written the letter in a personal capacity and they had done it to bring an issue to the attention of the corporate world. The letter pointed to the rise in hate speech and violence targeting certain groups. In the letter The academics wrote that corporate India should be worried since it points to an increasing risk of violence in the country and in the worst case possibly a genocide. They also had some suggestions for the corporate world. They said corporate funding should be stopped to media and social media outlets that transmit hate speech. They urged corporate India to foster more inclusive workplaces and they asked the business community to raise their voices in support of greater fraternity in the country. One of the signatories to the letter is Pratik Raj, an assistant professor at the institute. In today's episode, he's in conversation with my colleague Alka Dubkar about the letter and the risk of letting hate speech become acceptable. The professor of strategy at IIM Bangalore, who is an IIT graduate and holds a PhD from University College London, talks about how hate speech can hit India's grand economic dreams. Pratik Raj also talks about the worst-case scenarios possible and why he still holds out hope for India. Alka started by asking Pratik Raj about the letter he is a signatory to and what inspired it. So you have co-wrote this letter. Tell us about the process of writing such open letters. What discussions took place which inspired writing these letters? There was no plan per se of writing a letter and neither is it the case that we are constantly looking for opportunities to write a letter or anything of that sort. it's just that that particular week preceding when we wrote the letter was particularly very distressing with a lot of issues of violence occurring in the news there was the manipur violence there was shootings in uh, a jaipur train and then violence began in haryana so this all seemed very distressing and that's when the idea came that we can't be just silent spectators to everything much of this was being instigated by a certain kind of toxic conversation that we are having in the public discourse not just in the media which is the mainstream media but also in the social media and i would say social media is a bigger culprit here so we thought that where is this problem really stemming from it is stemming from the fact that this kind of visceral news gets eyeballs and then people want to dish this kind of stuff more out so that they can then monetize this kind of content and that is the business model so 
that's how the idea emerged that we need to go to the root of the problem, which is monetization of this kind of content, asking corporates to do something about it or to think about the externalities or the consequences of where their money goes in advertising. Initially, the proposal came from me that we should probably write a letter to corporate India. So I wrote the first draft of it. And then I shared with some of my colleagues who gave recommendations or edits to it. Then we shared it with the rest of the faculty members and requested anyone interested to join. When we thought about who should be signing the letter, we just felt that faculty members who have signed are enough to make the point because this is a kind of an academic issue also that we as academics have direct relations with corporate India. So we are addressing this issue to them. And we just felt that we don't need to involve students in this. The letter also points out that the risk of genocide in India is no longer close to zero and urges corporate India to use its voice to rise up against hate and stand up for uh, fraternity. You're a professor Mm -hmm. of strategy and clearly you can see what is happening in India politically. How fast are we moving towards disastrous situations? I'm an economic historian also, Alka. So I've studied marketplace for ideas for a long time. So my PhD thesis was on uh, studying the nature of content just immediately after the printing press was invented in the 15th century. And I've studied how lithography impacted the nature of conversations in India and Asian societies. I studied quite a bit on the nature of propaganda in Nazi Germany. So I've been looking at this kind of content for a while. Now, it's not easy to tell how fast or slow we are moving in the direction of disaster. The way this works is that in all likelihood, this kind of hate speech will eventually die down and will be kind of superseded by a more healthier conversation over time. There are phases of really negative conversation that happen in all societies. If you remember, just a few years ago, US was having very toxic conversation with uh, Donald Trump as president against minorities, uh, promoting racism, spreading misinformation about COVID, but then it eventually died down. However, although on an average, these issues will eventually die down, but really bad situations can also emerge not because of some linear process, but because some sort of a disaster or a mishap happens, which triggers a certain kind of sensationalism or a rumor or a certain kind of hate. And that can snowball into a much more dangerous situation. Although the probability of such a kind of a violent kind of a conflict is very small, and it is always small, but the nature of hate speech is it creates a kind of fertile ground that even those kinds of rare events can eventually happen. They are not easy to predict, but some random occurrence of something can give rise to it. So the World War II eventually triggered a Holocaust. Similarly, plague in Europe in the 14th century created environment for murder of Jews in Europe. So how does hate speech translate to violence is not a linear process. 
so the letter not only highlights the problem but gives a four prong approach to the corporate defund hate speech then asking them to stop funding hate and support responsible stakeholders curate a welcoming work culture and use their uh, voice for fraternity my question is is it possible with the majoritarian political environment i think that a lot of times we think of hate speech and the situation in a very uh, india specific lens when we should realize that the pro- problem of hate speech and misinformation is also common in many parts of the world many asian countries are having populist movements and we need to understand that this is a global problem this is not a india specific political economy problem and partly what has happened over the last few one decade or so with the rise of social media is that bundled newspapers a bundle of information is no longer being received by people so all that we consume is individual articles and because we consume individual articles we are mostly consuming sensational articles and as a consequence people are receiving more polarized more sensational more visceral more emotive kind of news in place of what i would call more responsible journalism so it's not really about whether it's possible in this environment for responsible journalism to be funded what is more important is that we understand the crisis and the roots of the crisis and as corporate india which is the primary funder of the fourth estate which is true everywhere to think through of how it can go about doing things my next question is about a uh, media organization so in this question i really want you to talk about the solutions you are offering to the corporate so we want just like for example today every organization any corporate organization thinks about whether they are funding pollution or environmental sustainability it's a kind of a standard question that we all have in our minds when we are thinking about where our money is going the same way we have to ask a similar question that when we are funding information is that information good and responsible journalism or is it hateful or uninformed sensationalism and punditry and if it's latter somebody should be responsible for saying that we will or we will not support that kind of content but people need to be asked that question that check and balance within corporate india is going to go a long way in fixing the problem in my view you have also spoke about curate a welcoming work culture so what do you mean uh, when you offer that solution to corporate india organizations can be very siloed and they can become echo chambers where people are talking about work and then they are making jokes of some kind uh, which can be insensitive to some set of people these can be sexist jokes this can be racist jokes these can be casteist jokes these can be homophobic jokes and, and not just jokes but conversations what i have noticed is that it's not out of malice that people make these kinds of statements and create a sort of a toxic work environment for people often it's just a lack of awareness that people do not know better and merely informing people that you have to be sensitive of who all is there in your organization and what kind of conversations you should have can really go a long way in improving 
the environment. Because people spend so much time in a workplace environment and talking to their colleagues, merely this kind of an awareness can really make people sensitized to the kind of content they might be consuming and sharing and create a much better environment for people. So I don't think that people are inherently malicious or hateful. It's just people are not thinking about what's going on. And just like people are not wondering about what kind of pollutants might be there in the food they eat, they're also not thinking about the consequences of the kind of content they're consuming and sharing with people. And so we need to create awareness about it. In this uh, letter, you have cited around 15 news reports and also held the media organizations responsible for spreading misinformation. How is hate mm -hmm. being amplified? So, you know, I think what happens is that once upon a time, I would talk about just myself, many types of content which were directly hateful towards a particular group of people would have been in a complete no-no or a taboo to share, right? But as it becomes more and more common to talk in a way that demonizes groups of people, that kind of conversation becomes normalized and people start to think this is normal to have that kind of conversation. Slowly, the situation shifts to a more hateful normal than what it used to be. What's going to happen is I saw a news I found it to be very wrong and appalling that things are being discussed in this way. But because I'm being exposed to it for so long, over time I become normalized to it. And I find it to be okay. I think of it as just another opinion and everybody is free to have an opinion of their own. But the question is not whether you can hold or not hold an opinion. The question is, should that kind of an opinion be discussed in mainstream primetime news? You have been also emphasizing the difference between political activism and academic independence. What would you like to say to those who see your letters as political activism? When I joined IMB, I signed an oath to the Constitution of India. And I think liberty, equality and solidarity are three things which are essential to the Indian Constitution. So I'm oath bound to raise my voice if in case I feel genuinely that the solidarity in this country is under threat. If I genuinely believe that solidarity in this country is threatened, it is my oath-bound duty to speak up. And uh, I'm not having any allegiance to anything else other than the Constitution of India. I believe that this is not at all political activism or anything. It's my fundamental duty as a government employee of India where I am both bound to serve the constitution of the country. It's been almost a week since you released the letter. Are you mm -hmm. satisfied with the reach and attention of it? Any objection or support from the institute? Uh, no, not at all. I think uh, the media has covered it quite elaborately. Uh, what I would have really liked is if in case uh, people from corporate India had uh, probably... I mean, I don't know how many people in corporate India read it. I did receive some messages from people from corporate India. It is mostly mainstream newspapers which have carried this news, which is great. But I have not seen coverage in more business uh, kind of news uh, outlets, which is where I feel that the conversation should be. I do wonder whether 
such letter can make an impact with corporate india can it shape conversation and which is where what matters is that we have follow up conversations like this that i'm having with you that is not a one time instance that we send that letter it was in news for a day and then we forgot about it we need to have a regular conversation about this question because it's a tough question people see that this is an issue but for various sets of reasons because everybody thinks well i have my job to do and this is not my job it is somebody else's job we kind of gave up on this conversation and then things remain business as usual i think it's also important that this is about media organizations this is about the health of the country and if tomorrow some sort of a negative mishap happens journalists who sensationalize news will be asked what were you doing at this time we would be asked what were you doing in this time corporate india will be asked what were you do- doing in this time and this is not a game so corporate india media organizations need to think about it that's the real impact that will happen if a few media organizations just think that okay let's be a little bit more responsible than before so uh, don't you and your colleagues fear professional setbacks for indulging in such activities at least i don't because this is my area of work that i study marketplace for ideas so i would say that at least in an international setting i would be damned if i don't do this because it's kind of my job to say things when things seem to not be appearing to be healthy it's like saying that an epidemiologist should not raise an alarm if in case they see that there is a pandemic on the brink so it's kind of my professional responsibility to do this and i don't really care about people who are too scared so i don't work on eggshells i have not thought about this question the honest answer is this can you explain one thing that how can hate speech and resultant disturbance disrupt india's run to become a fidrillion economy tree so i talk about this in a different place that i feel that the political economy of south india is very different from north india and personally my view is that the threat of hate speech and it destabilizing an economic environment of india is a bigger issue in north india than in south india so in my view uh, political economy of south india is quite healthy it will go around doing its thing you have to understand that a lot of times this kind of hate speech resolve ends up in violence because there are a lot of unemployed people who are having the time to think about issues that are trivial in a broader context and my perspective is that young south indians are not like this and i am a north indian myself they are busy working and busy building an economy serving the service and manufacturing sector and they are going to be fine and they are not going to be affected by this problem this problem is going to be be a bigger issue in north india in my opinion where economic growth has not taken off at the same scale that it has in south and west india and the problem is that if it doesn't take off and instead this kind of a culture of violence and lynching and people sitting and hating on each other's communities that's the kind of culture it emerges then that region will completely stun so 5 trillion dollar economy sure india will still have a 5 trillion dollar economy or even 10 trillion dollar economy the only thing is all that growth and development will happen in south and west india and north india will completely be out of that growth uh, journey and as a north indian as a bihari that worries me a lot 
after looking at the manipur violence how the government responded then the shooting in a moving train and many such incidents many feel that uh, we have reached a point of polarization and hatred where there is no return but you still have hopes where does that hope comes from oh well this hope comes from the fact that india is the only multicultural liberal democracy in the world hate speech is not an india only phenomena it's a phenomena in the us it's a phenomena in europe it's a phenomena in most countries of the world today because of as we discussed the breakdown in the business model of journalism and news given the diversity of this country and the the kind of hateful environment that exists globally things could have been much worse actually if this was any other country but because india is an intrinsically diverse and intrinsically tolerant nation we have been able to resist just merely because of not like some active resistance but merely because who we are we have been able to not slide that back far as any other country including the united states would have had it been in a similar kind of a situation where it was a country of multitude of languages and multitude of religions and ethnicities etc etc so my faith is that india has always been a tolerant multicultural society where tolerance is intrinsic to our culture so i would love if in case all this story 20 years down the line people will come and say oh you guys were alarmists about this and nothing happened i will be very very happy if that happens and that goes back to the question of how soon or do you think things will go bad it's all probabilistic there is a slight probability that things will go really bad but i still believe that a large probability is that we will be able to overcome this and why do i also believe it more now is because if this was not the case you know 30 odd media channels would not have covered this issue and so much of positive response to the our letter would not have come by had it not been the case that the dna of this country is tolerant and multicultural which is not the case for say germany in the 1930s and 40s so i think that is something that gives me hope that we are a fundamentally different nation and that's something that we should always remember and be proud of as a country including social media influencers there is a wave of young entrepreneurship in india majority of them either prefer silence or support those who are in power so the intimidation is working perfectly by all means what mm-hmm. is the one advice you will give uh, to these young entrepreneurs well first of all i think as a historian there's always a large majority which stays silent when things go wrong but what i also noticed is that this silent majority isn't always promoting those people who are spreading hate i think we underestimate the kind of passive resistance or annoyance that a lot of young people have towards hate speech that's happening in this country and um, it's not a surprise that most uh, young people don't watch tv news anymore to know how the world is running they have their own news sources so i think that 
the only advice i can give to people is that go out make friends who are different from you and if you are from one community make friends from people with another community and learn from them and understand them and have empathy towards each other if we can have that kind of a simple attitude much of these problems will go away in an instant they don't have to raise their voice or you know stand with a placard or anything just make friends of from people who are different from you people whom you might fear for example and see how do they see the world and you'll realize that uh, they are not very different from you and their concerns as young people is exactly the same they want to travel they want to uh, make reels on instagram they want to have a good life have fun that's the main goal of everyone and just realizing this commonality can be the best antidote to hate in this country if it's spreading today's episode was produced by jairad singh and anuja singh for a daily spotlight on people ideas and stories that matter subscribe to us we're available on ty plus spotify apple google podcasts and all other platforms of your choice for any news tips email us at tuipodcast@timesinternet.in